Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you as we share a continuing message from Joshua chapter 1. Have you ever made a decision you later realized didn't consider how it affected others? Today we hear how we're responsible for others within Christ's command as his follower, his disciple. God's word says all our days, our decisions are about God, not us. We're called to rely and trust on His promises. Listen today and hear about sensing God's presence through His Word, learning of His direction to fulfill all He wants for us, and be at peace with our choices. Even in the midst of turmoil when bad things happen, Jesus stands by us and never leaves us. We can rest and lean on Christ and His Word in all things, no matter what happens. How many people here would be willing to admit that they are backseat drivers? Honesty. Good song. Backseat drivers. We have a tendency to enjoy not necessarily being in charge, but we can't help ourselves correcting what the driver is doing. Beginning with watching a football game, everyone tells the quarterback what they should have been doing. Or if you are that person and your spouse is driving, every once in a while I do look over at my wife and say, you want to drive? Oh, no, 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 no. But she is driving, right? We have that tendency To have something to say about the way things are done. But God forbid we would have the responsibility or the weight of making those decisions. Because those decisions that we make, even the ones that you think you're making for yourselves, will affect somebody's life. I remember back in the day when I had just gotten my uh, instructor's certification in skydiving. And for the first time, I was responsible in telling the student I was with when we would jump out of the plane. And I was uh, in Mississippi at a drop zone I was not too familiar with. But the one thing I saw about that drop zone, I had a few jumps there, that the drop zone itself was surrounded by muck and mire jungle style of forest. You don't want to land off the airport in that situation. So we were towards the last end of the plane. Everybody was was jumping. And if you're responsible, even if you're leading a group of jumpers, you look out the door. And once you get the green light on the door, it doesn't mean you jump now. That means you can start jumping. But you've got to decide when and if. Or if you ask the pilot to do a turnaround, to circle around to give you another chance. The problem with that is you're costing the company money because they're burning fuel coming around just for you. So here I was... And when you're last, that, towards the end, that means you are going to be towards the end of the drop zone 
area. You got to make it back no matter where you jump. So I'm looking at my student, had a few jumps, and I'm looking down thinking, Lord, do we go? Do we not go? Do we do a turnaround? And, and that, that weight was on my shoulders. I could make it back, no problem. But what would the less experienced person do? You come to realize that responsibility on your shoulders as you grow older. And it doesn't really even hit you until you have children. You just get married, the world is your oyster, uh, you've got two salaries, and you're making decisions, you're coming and going, the future is bright, everything is amazing until a child comes into the world, now everything changes. Some young couples don't even sleep at night, watching the baby to make sure that they'll be breathing all night long, and they won't have instant death syndrome, hoping that everything will be okay. When that responsibility lies on your shoulders, you make different decisions in life. You understand that it's not just about you. However, we are Americans, and we tend to be quite selfish when it comes to our personal rights. Don't get into my business. And we forget, and we take that attitude in church. No one can tell us how to live and what we can or cannot do. Pastor, elders, fellow brothers and sisters, we're going to be a family, just don't get into my business. Until you realize that the decisions you make, they have either unintended consequences or a domino effect of consequences over the lives of those who are watching you. And you can't tell them, do as the preacher says, not as the preacher does. We know that saying, right? It is this responsibility that has been laid upon Joshua's shoulders. And we've been walking with him, understanding and hearing the call that your walk is given by God to be a victorious walk, not a defeated walk, not a cowering walk, that when you live and you make decisions, you make them in light of what God has given you as freedom of walking in His grace, but a responsibility to make disciples in what you teach and in the way you live. And the way that we walk this victorious walk, the Lord reminds us, listen, I've given you these blessings every day. Have your eyes open. Have your heart listening. Walk this walk of blessings, doing good, loving others. Forgive when it's hard. Forgive. And in doing so, we've been looking at at Joshua, and we understand that his, as he tells them, remember, be focused on God's mission. I will bring you and these people into the land. How do you collect all these blessings? Remember what God has for you in your life. We're not talking about your jobs. We're talking about your calling in making disciples in the field and the talents God has given you. Also, as you do that, be obedient be fast to act and obey all that God commanded, whether you understand it or not. Be faithful and trust in the promises God has given you. As God promised to Moses, He's promising to Joshua, He's promised to your parents, He's promising you. 
trust those promises, not through your own faith, but God's word. And the last one of the verses we read this morning about the, the delineation, the boundaries of the land, how much God had given them and how little they have today because of their disobedience. Be committed to receive all God's promises. But how can all this be done? How can we step in these blessings? How can we live this victorious life? And that's where he reminds him, it's not about you. It's about me. And it's not just the walk that we have with the Lord. Remember that as you walk with the Lord, you're sustained by His presence. You're not sustained by His blessings. That was the problem that the Israelites dealt with in, in, in the desert. We're hungry. The Lord gives them all these birds that come from nowhere. Uh, no, actually, they said we're hungry, so He gives them manna. He goes, no, 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 we want meat. So He gives them the birds. Well, now we're thirsty. And they were constantly complaining, acting as if God never gave them anything, and always expecting more from God in order to sustain their worship. It's possible today that people will get used to and they lean on these blessings in order to worship God and to be grateful. Remember Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord takes, takes away glorified or uh, the Lord, I will worship the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, no matter if he's taking. And the people, they were used to always receiving. And when it didn't get, they complained. Is that a mirror of my life or yours? It's not the gifts. We've heard this. It's the presence of God. That's what gives you life. That's what gives you strength. It's His presence that calms your heart. We are sustained by His presence. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you. Underline that phrase there, shall be able to stand. Interestingly enough, we are asked to stand, but we're promised that no one will be able to stand. It doesn't mean that they won't come at you. But even as they do, they will not be able to stand in you, to stand before you. All the days of your life, not just tomorrow, but the promise lasts for the rest of your life, Joshua. Just as I was with Moses. You've watched him. You've seen me perform miracles. You've seen Moses come down from the mountain. His face was shining because he was in my presence as I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. So I will be with you. And more than that, I will not leave you. And even as I'm standing by you, I will not forsake you. And they're two different things. One, I will be present. Two, I'll never turn my back. We're sustained by God's presence. Yes, we will be attacked. Yes, we will come across confrontation. Yes, we'll have those nights when you can't sleep. You'll wake up thinking, how do I resolve this issue? The answer is, Lord Jesus, you've promised, Lord, I'll trust this issue in your hands. Lord, I've got no idea how or with whom or for whatever, Lord, but, but I trust that you will, Lord. You will take care of it. Show me what I must do. It's not the fact that I step out of the way and I give up. It's, Lord, I want to be involved. I've got no idea how. You promised your presence. They'll confront. They'll speak against you. 
They'll even mock you. You'll even be knocked down. But the righteous man that falls seven times, he gets up seven times. But they will not be able to stand against you. That means, even as being a sheep to the good shepherd, you're going to have to be a ram once in a while and keep on ramming away at it. You do not stop. You stay perseverant, persistent, because he won't stand against you. And here is the glory and, and the beauty. How is the Lord present with us? How is this promise fulfilled? We mentioned this at the end of last Sunday. Is that his presence will precede your battle. Before the hardship, before the persecution, before the battle comes, the Lord is already there. And these blessings are not just blessings for the days of sunshine, but they're days in the days of persecution. He's already in the battle. It's a promise that Joshua already heard that Moses gave him. Look at Deuteronomy 31 verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, that's being done. So the authority is placed from Moses' mouth to Joshua's shoulders. People see that Moses is entrusting Joshua. But this practice of entrusting authority is something that God will do with Joshua later as well. We'll read, well, Joshua, God tells Joshua, I will lift you up before the people. That tells you and me, don't elbow people out of the way and don't step on people to show that you are authoritative or in charge. Let God do it. Let those that have gone before you lift you and let God sustain you. His presence proceeds, is in the battle. And here's what Moses tells him because he knows by experience. Be strong and courageous. Oh, how many times we've heard this phrase, both from God and from Moses. For you shall go with these people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. Well, wait a minute. Will God give it to us? Or am I supposed to allocate them the lots and the land? And and who's going to do this? Yes. God does not bypass you, nor does He want to. But the Lord rests upon you the responsibility for there's such joy in a fellowship and accepting the responsibility walking by faith not seeing what's going to happen and the lord empowering you something is already declared you shall put them in possession of it it is the lord who goes before you in canaan against the giants, against the walls, across the Jordan. The Lord goes before you. He will be with you, but He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. People need to be encouraged with a certainty of presence. Moses was not going to be with him, but God was. And He tells him that. We see the Lord, and you'll see this in your life, unexpectedly. You see God's promise, and then He also will tell you a warning, a boundary, a hedge of protection. 
they lost command of all the land God gave them throughout the millennia because they were not obedient. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 12. And this repeats throughout Scripture because we are in this holy, submissive collaboration with the Lord. He desires and He pleases as a good Father to give. And yet He reminds us that we're but flesh. And our tendency is to withdraw, falter, and failure. And it gives us the word which both encourages and warns. Here's what Samuel tells the people. If you will fear the Lord, and here are the four things. Serve Him, obey His voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. Three things. Well, four. Fear, serve, obey, and not rebel. And both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord, your God. It will be well. Fear the Lord, serve Him, obey, and do not rebel. Our hearts have that tendency. The culmination of not fearing God as our Father, one that disciplines and loves us into discipline, that lack of fear will lead to rebellion. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still as you weigh these options and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. He goes before you in battle. Be obedient. Trust the Lord and see what the Lord is about to do before you. He calls us to be prepared for battle. And He wants you to stay there. He doesn't want you to necessarily pull out the sword and start slicing. Just stand, waiting upon the Lord. Now, how does the Lord help His children? If He goes before them, before us in the battle, He precedes His presence. Goes be- so when you wake up tomorrow and you get that phone call, not the one you want, or the envelope you did not expect, the Lord is already there. He already knew. So you turn around and you hold on to the Lord because He's there and now He's here with you. How does the Lord fight for you? We see throughout the Old Testament, throughout their battles, different circumstances where God sent angels. God, His Word, He sent earthquakes. And he went before them and he defeated the enemy. There's times that God confuses the enemy. I just, there's many stories coming out of this Ukrainian war. Some we take with a, with a, with a little salt, whether it's true or not. We'll know later on. But here's one that, came, that I heard just saw the other day. Young man, believer in the Ukrainian army. They were about to be overtaken by, the, by a Russian tank battalion or however big they were. And he called his father, said, Dad, pray right now. Dad, please ask the church to pray right now. Dad said, it is done. So the whole church got on their knees and they were praying for, as you well know, throughout the war. They're constantly praying. And all of a sudden, as they were about to be overtaken by these Russian tanks, Another column of tanks came from the other side, those being Russians as well, and he began to fire on these guys. 
what had happened is this one group of tanks had just defeated a, a city and they've taken the Ukrainian flags as trophies and they put those same flags on their own tanks because, oh, look what we've done. The other guys came in, saw the flags, started attacking their own people. How often we see this in the Old Testament with the Philistines and Midianites and all the other ones in the middle of the night. The Bible says that they were confounding themselves and they started killing each other. And all they had to do, the people of Israel, is sit, trust, and watch. God uses natural cataclysmic forces to defeat the enemy. He sends angels to destroy the enemy. He even changes the hearts of kings. Remember, Artaxerxes and Haman, he wanted to hang and kill all the Israelites. And God worked at the heart of this king. And here comes Esther in patience. The Bible in the Psalms says that God moves the hearts of kings in his hand like rivers of water. He's the one that can turn the plans of your enemy against themselves. But even more so, Paul and Silas, they're in prison, they're chained, and they're singing songs of praise to the Lord. And the people listen, and they hear the gospel, and then God sends an angel to open the doors wide open. Things that we haven't thought of, things that we hear of and we can't believe they're possible, stand. See this great thing the Lord will do before your eyes. How do we watch the Lord and what does it take to have God involved in the battles of your life when you're surrounded and there's no way out, whether family or neighbors or government, whatever it may be? Well, Hezekiah teaches us that it takes repentance and prayer, constant prayer, trusting prayer, surrendering prayer. If you look at Isaiah chapter 37, verses 15 through 17, and some other verse, I'm going to just read to you. Because what's happening here in, in, in the life of Israel, as they're surrounded by all of these enemies, they have no help whatsoever. They're coming in one million strong. And all the king can do is pray. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Remember, the Lord goes before you in your battles. Your battles become His battles. If it's new to you, it's already planned by God. You can rest and trust. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You've made heaven and earth. Basically, he's not telling God his responsibility and his position. He's reminding himself who God is. Hezekiah needed to hear himself. And we do. Read that out loud. Remember who your Lord is. Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see. Hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he sent to mock the living God. Whatever happens, we're promised Jesus is already there ahead of us, preparing his result and paving the way for us to act, to decide in him. Yes, we have an awesome responsibility, but we're not alone against troubles. Rather, we are called to pray, to read his word daily, to study, meditate, and lean on Christ's power in our decision-making. 
Then as we act, we can trust his word and obey his direction. We are placed in a role of making good choices. We're called to lean on Christ's work within us so that we will see how he is in charge, how he has control over the results through us. This is how we see God involved in the battles of our lives. He is for us, not against us. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, The Lord's word shall not leave you, but you shall study and consider it always, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way successful. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.